Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we have a 13-game slate here on Tuesday. We're recording this before the National Championship on Monday as we've got plenty of lines up. In this video, we are going to be bringing you the Philadelphia 76ers playing host to the Boston Celtics. Nate will run through all that stuff for you guys. But in the meantime, I want to remind you to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. We're bringing you a couple of videos in our player props each and every weekday, continuing through the rest of this NBA season and postseason. Also head to thelines.com. That's where we're putting up all these picks as well up on the site there. And we also have that odds finder tool I tell you about every time so you can make sure you're getting the best juice back on all these bets you're making in the NBA this season. Nate, let's get into our game here. A couple picks from each of us in this Philly-Boston matchup. Yeah, it's pretty much open as a pick I mean, I guess Philly minus two and a half in some places. Uh, Boston getting points. Boston plus 120 on the money line is where I would go here. The total is opened at 232. Uh, but I mean, it's more just like trying to read the room here with the Celtics is like, clearly there was a big boredom factor as we headed down the stretch there where they just couldn't beat the Houston Rockets of all teams. And and then, you know, once they get that kind of matchup where it's like, all right, what do you have against a top tier team in the East? It was the second biggest blowout of the season, uh, just utter annihilation. And sure, the Bucks were tired a little bit. Giannis was going as hard as he could, but it was just like literally dissecting and picking apart the top defense in the league over the last couple months. The Sixers, I'm trying to read the room with them. I mean, you look at last six games for both of these teams. They are headed in the opposite direction in terms of, I mean, defense, first of all, 27th in defense for the Sixers versus first for Boston. Uh, the Sixers are allowing the fifth most three-point attempts and eighth most makes in that span. And they've they've lost four or six. They were all on the road, though. I mean, they are still extremely effective at home. It's just like a question of how much effort are they going to put into this one? What is to be gained from beating the Celtics right now um, versus what is to be lost by even playing Joel Embiid 40 minutes, which I don't think they're going to do. And the last time these teams played, it took 41 points in 40 minutes from Embiid for the Sixers to only lose by three. Um, You know, Harden also played 41 minutes. He's been struggling. His last five amidst the Achilles issue right now, 13 points per game, 10 assists to four turnovers, 100 offensive rating. He's shooting 34% from the field. And, you know, since he had, he had a really nice game in the opener against Boston, but um, also couldn't defend, right? Both the Jays had 35 in that one because Maxi was still starting. And that's the issue always with the Sixers is, is they can't play both those guys at the same time necessarily against a team with massive wings like the Celtics. Um, big reason the Celtics have won four straight against the Sixers and a big reason they've gotten an incredible shot diet against these team, this team when they played. I mean, the, the last couple meetings, Maxi's coming off the bench, but still the Celtics shooting nearly 50% from three and like doubling up the Sixers on threes, getting doubled up at the free throw line. Um, But again, last six games, number one defensive rating, number two limiting free throws. They're number one on the road for the entire season. And they should have Rob and Al Horford here uh, for this matchup where, you know, they beat the Sixers without both those guys and with Jalen getting a broken face in, in early February then went ahead and beat them with with neither of them. Um, and, you know, you look at the numbers when you have Rob 
Al, the Jays, and Derek White, and not just Marcus Smart. Um, you know who they they played, and that's kind of why that game was close. To be honest, I think all the chatter Joe Mazzulla's heard on on sports radio, and there's there's a lot of smart guys out in Boston. There's there's a lot of not so smart on on sports radio, but. The smart ones have been, you know, lining up to say like Derek White just needs to play more. Like just look at these numbers, look at look at the use your eyes and and play him more. And I think they have found something uh, with those lineups. He will continue to play more. And it's just a case of just incredible depth from the Celtics that if they have their focus, like there's nothing you can do with this team. You just hope they miss threes because they're gonna get good shots every time down the, the floor. And if they hit over 15, 16 threes, which has been their diet, uh, they're winning the game. Yeah, and I mean, that's going to be the case with them forever right now in terms of the the variance of their threes. Are they hitting them? If if yes, I mean, to be honest, if yes, it's probably going to be a, a tough game for the other team uh, and you're going to get some blowouts of good teams like you saw last game. And then if no, like they still have an opportunity to win if they have sort of the defensive you know, presence of Robert Williams, the third, I think that's huge. And I think that was a big part of that, that bucks game. You can make the argument. He's more important against the bucks for the Celtics than he is against the 76ers. And I, and I wouldn't have said that until I started to look at some of Joel Embiid's stats versus this team. And it's pretty much a, it's a lot more correlated to whether or not Al Horford plays in terms of Joel Embiid's success against the Celtics team. A lot, and to be honest, a lot of Marcus Smart as well in terms of being able to come down from his spot and guard out there as well, even though sometimes he's the the defender on Harden. Sometimes he's a little bit more you know free safety and able to help on Embiid and, and he's playing on someone who can't shoot so that he can be the help defender. My main point here is Robert Williams is more important as the backup uh, to all of that against the Bucks. Joel is not necessarily coming at the rim uh, with the speed that Giannis is requiring a shot blocker to come up like Robert Williams and, and a lot of shot blockers, if they want to come over and double Joel, then they have the opportunity to, and he's become much better at passing out of it, but he hasn't been as successful uh, against this team. And that's a big part of why I, I do believe in the Celtics is that even if they're not going to be as potent, which come on, man, I don't know how they could be as potent from deep as they were against Milwaukee. I know they could come close still and, and they're capable of it, but regardless of if they come close or do that, just as important and more more so in terms of if they're going to win the title is their defense. And it's been incredible uh, for the last roughly 15 games. It's been the second best in terms of the rating. They have been playing at a decently fast pace, but uh, you know, the, this Sixers team has actually been playing at the slowest pace in the league in the last like three, four weeks of the season. Um, and, and I, I'm going to move on to my pick in this one in terms of going under and I, and it's not quite as strong as I, in terms of, I would agree with you with Boston. And I like, I like the juice you get there on a money line bet for the Celtics to win a game that by the way, they, need i should just mention that as my last point for supporting you there in the, in the money line like they have two games to try to cover to get the one seed against his bucks in four games real not going to be easy but possible um even though the bucks now have a few more easier games left it's it's feasible the celtic the the 76ers need to cover three games to get over the uh to, to win the atlantic here against the celtics and over overtake them they would have a, a shot if they win this game and obviously now they're two back with uh three to play but that's still a lot less likely math, mathematically my main 
main point being, I think you could see the 76ers fold uh, if things get a little bit out of hand. The way that the Bucks kind of just fold in, we're like, look, we just need to win out and win three of our next four, basically, and we can still get this one seed. We don't need to be as concerned uh, with it. And I think the 76ers would fold in a similar manner. And then I'll just move on to the under. And another reason that that would actually support the under is if this game does get out of hand, I mean, do the 76ers score 105 points? Even if the Celtics get to like 120, 121 and they're hitting, like wouldn't they start to sit some guys? So I know you can be scared of like a, a 130 outburst from the Celtics once again. Uh, but the 76ers have been much better at, at defending the three-point line, not necessarily than the Bucks, uh, but on their own in their own right. Obviously, DeAnthony Melton being a huge reason for that. And then P.J. Tucker too. Um, and the fact that, you know, even Tyrese Maxey's been out there a lot in, in the last, like he didn't play very much in these first couple meetings against the Celtics, but he's been playing a lot lately. That would be the only other counter argument to an under. But still, th- like I said, this team's playing at the slowest pace with Maxey playing 36 minutes per game is the 76ers. So, um, you know, three of these last four went under and the only time it went over uh, in this matchup like that was because it was the first game of the season. It was just a lot of three-point barrages. I'm not really sure which team. I mean, the Celtics were bad at defense for the first like month of the season or at least nowhere near what they were you know, capable of and what they turned things around to and how they how good they are now. So I think that the, the defense of the, of the Celtics, you know, combined with the fact that I don't know how much the 76ers need this game and uh, I, they're better at guarding what this, the Celtics do. So it's a much more, you know, likely bet there for the under uh, than the over in this one. Yeah, I, I agree totally that that 232 is way too high. Um, you would expect a game at least 227 or lower when these teams meet because of some of the slugfests we've seen. And that's with, you know, the the steady free throw parade for Joel Embiid, who, like I said, like what is to be lost by trying to bang him in the paint right now when you had to sit him against the Joker and then the Joker sits out an entire week. Um, so basically gives the MVP to Embiid um, and he no longer has to go out there on a mission. You looked at, you know, his last three that he's actually played, he's, he's kind of been chilling with 32 minutes per game, 26 points. It's not, it's not the massive outburst that you see in recent games. And, and it's why the Sixers are no longer looking dangerous in the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, since the all-star break, they were the number one offense in net. In the fourth, but their last six again, 23rd in net rating uh, versus Boston in their last six, third in defense and net rating, which is definitely going to help you with that pace. Uh, Philly's playing under 90 in terms of their pace in the fourth. These teams, I mean, Boston does like to come out hot and score a lot, but then if it's still close in the fourth, they slow it down. So, I, I mean, even though they've gone over in five straight on the road has Boston, uh, I don't. I think when these two teams get together, it does kind of get get slowed down. And and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, if if Harden actually like doesn't even play in this one, if if he if, you know he's been missing games, he he does duck the moment a lot. I mean, not that this is a big spot for the Sixers. It's just like yeah, I would actually feel more comfortable betting the Celtics and the under if Harden plays because he's been playing and struggling. He's been shooting poorly, turning the ball over. Uh, but yeah, either way. I think the Celtics are going to be able to win this one. I have slightly less confidence in the under uh, just because there's been, there's been a lot of variance when you shoot that many threes, there's going to be. Um, But yeah, I I do think the under is, is the better play. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, if you want to just, you know, quantify it like much more, 
likely that the much more comfortable with that money line and more of like a unit on that, maybe a half on the under just to bring another bet into the into play if you wanted it. But uh, definitely a lot more con- conviction there with the uh, the Celtics in this one and, and just the way that I think this game might turn out. Look, don't don't underestimate the the, the role players who will bring it for the 76ers and they are good. Uh, but it's if it's coming down to, you know, the, the Celtics need to take care of business and are focused, like you said, like, what is the mindset of each of these teams coming in? Just see like the, the starters for the Celtics being so focused that I'm not quite concerned who is also focused on, on the 76ers just because it'll be their role players. So Nate, let's go through a couple of the lines we uh, that we've got here for this Pellies and Kangs game. Yeah, we're opening as uh, Pelicans only minus two and a half at home. Don't yet have a total up as we're waiting um, here on Monday night. But you got to figure it's going to be pretty high for the Kings, even though they do tend to go under on the road. And even though the Pelicans have the number one scoring defense since the All-Star break, allowing 108 per game, it's it's pretty easy to me to say, like, Pelicans to win here. I mean, especially as you said in the intro, like losing to the Spurs in overtime when the Spurs are now plus 18 in almost every single game they play. Uh, is eyebrow raising? Um, does that you know kind of jerk the the Kings back into focus? Perhaps uh, if you yeah. if you think that way, then we're we're looking at an over uh, because the Kings their their only way to compete is to ramp up the pace and to score a lot. And I, it's funny that I say compete because they're the freaking three seed, but that <laughs> honestly their defense is that bad that they just need to be scoring, and they're the number one offense in the league. But a lot of the things they do don't seem like they're going to work so good against the Pels, who let's not forget when they finally got Brandon Ingram back in the lineup. Uh, game one, I believe, back when with him back, beat beat down the Kings by 32 points. So and it's not like they can't handle this matchup. It's a tough matchup for DeMontis Sabonis against his big Lithuanian brother, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, and the Pels in general. I mean, he... Jonas even missed one of the recent meetings and, and DeMontis still struggled because the Pels have, you know, Jackson Hayes, Willie Hernan Gomez. They have size everywhere. Larry Nance, let's not forget, is, is also yeah. a really good and versatile defender. Um, so they're in addition to allowing the fewest points, they're also allowing the second fewest assists, eighth fewest paint points and fifth fewest fast break points and fourth best three point percentage since the break are the Pels and, even better in their last eight where they've won seven of those and they've had to, uh, right. I mean, they climbed their way back in, you know, just like last season, really just finishing strong. Um, and you know, even though Zion might not be ready until the play in or playoffs or wherever it might be. I mean, that is kind of a ray of hope for them. Um, and there's just so many implications, obviously anytime they play here, whether they fall into the play in, or they climb all the way to six seed, like every single game the rest of the way is going to have that kind of do or die feel. And at home, you know, with that crowd crowd at your back versus a Kings team that's, you know, we're just happy to be here, folks. Uh, they they made it to the playoffs. They threw a party. I do think yeah, they they do need to get right here after after that loss against the Spurs, but I just don't think it's a great matchup for them against just a really big physical Pelicans team that that you know is is tough to score on down low. Yeah, yeah, and, and look, love you, love you, Kings, and and love love the uh, everything. I mean, they're this season's darling for sure. 
But I would say the the last eight games for both of these teams are, are pretty telling of, of what you can expect coming into this one with their mindsets. Um, the Pelicans haven't beaten great teams in their last eight when they're going seven and one. Let's be clear. They're, they're beating the, the good teams that are they're playing like the Nuggets don't have Jokic in their game and they've beaten the Clippers twice. That's probably their two more, most impressive wins and their seven wins over their last eight and like who the hell knows what the Clippers are doing? I'm not trying to, to guess. Sometimes they win and sometimes they don't. Sometimes Kawhi plays, sometimes he plays 28 minutes. So like whatever's going on with them, they're still somehow in the five seed and in the driver's seat of that right ahead of the the dubs, even though they have the same record. So, but more importantly, like they're, they don't, it doesn't matter. They're coming out and handling business. I mean, they're winning those games by 17 points in the last eight. So it's not like they're, you know, hanging on by a thread. They're like coming out and being like, this is the game we're going to take uh, from start to finish. The only one they couldn't handle was the dubs in golden state and they had a double digit lead in that game and probably just lost their legs as at the end of a very long road trip that they were still winning all those games on that road trip so i mean we both are are just talking with so much admiration about this pelly's team because of the the hustle that they're bringing and the kangs i'm not going to go ahead and say they're like not trying because they're also playing or they, they had everybody in that loss to the Spurs. They gave up 13 threes, uh, Dougie McDermott there, Dougie McFresh getting 30. Uh, and then, uh, Champagny, Julian <laughs> Champagny, uh, go ahead and look him up since I'm sure not as many of you are familiar with him, dropped 26 on him, uh, and his coming out party because they were just sort of watching guys do things, man, to be honest. And, um, at, at times, you know, their, their defense actually, it's not necessarily a lack of hustle. They're, the Kings are, if you look at some of the hustle points on defense they are stopping teams in the fast break they're getting back they're not turning the ball over and allowing transition points off of that so it's they're, they're playing like smart basketball and and like trying on defense but it's bad especially when demontis is your is your backup and i think there's something to be said that your 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 anchor of your defense i mean backup like you know that's a tough backstop. center uh matchup rest yeah exact backstop thank you and it's not it's not a very strong one um and you but more, more importantly like i just think down the stretch right now for this team they don't know how to win. They've got Harrison Barnes, who's the only guy who's been on a championship team as the fourth best player and not necessarily a very vocal one, especially because he never had to playing alongside Draymond Green on those teams, you know, and so who else do you have to turn to to go? This is how you you stay focused down the stretch, fellas. Like this is how you close this out, right? They they did an incredible job coming back from the all-star break. One, one like uh, had a nine game win streak in there. We're winning like 15 of 18 have been one of the best teams in the league since the all-star break record wise. But those wins were coming at the end of February, early March, and then it's been a little bit more of a downward uh, slope for them since then, because I think a part of that, like I said, how do we make sure we, we bring it every night in these games down the stretch? And now they're at a place where they're, they're three games out of sec out of second. And they, you know, if they had beaten the Spurs, they would have been two. They had a really good shot at it and they blew it. Um, and, and so at, at this point, you know, I, I'm not sure how much they need this game. You have to look at that mindset and go, yeah, Pels, you know, Pels to pull this one off. I mean, the money line at minus 140, but you might as well take the, the two points as we really, really both like that. And then like you said, you know, the second bet that I think we're, we're both throwing out here is definitely an under. I can guess where that might be for you guys and, and see if, if, if it comes out that way. But like around 236, 237, I still kind of like an under. I think that might be the lower end of what we get. We'll see how much the, the you know, the, the odds makers here value this Pell's defense against the, the Kings offense. But holding the Kings to 123 in Sacramento 
I say holding because that's about what they average. And then holding them to, you know, uh, what was it, 104 in their second matchup with everybody and was on the road in this building where we're about to be. Um, and, you know, it was a blowout at that point, but and it got to like two, uh, 240 because the, the Pels put up 136 points, which they're capable of doing here. But I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a, of a defensive focus for them uh, against this Kings team, knowing that you can score without much difficulty on this team. If you can stop them from, from getting to 120, you're probably going to be able to win yeah like like we said last week when we were looking at pelicans nuggets it's like i'm taking an under in pelicans game until for further notice like they're playing defense they're playing at a 97 pace uh not a lot of explosive scoring just a lot of like mid-range operation from ingram and mccollum so i I mean granted the kings do tend to play these shootouts but they also tend to go under uh, as as road dogs right 13 and 5 in that situation and the Pels 17 and 10 uh, to the under as home faves here. They're also 25 and 13 straight up. So that's what we're talking about with the home crowd at your back um, in, in this kind of environment. And sure. I mean, Jokic didn't play in that Nuggets game. We're talking about and We're saying like, like the under even more, but to hold the Nuggets to 88 points, I mean, to hold any NBA team, even the uh, G league Blazers who they held to 90 last week as well. Uh, is, is very impressive. I mean, it definitely indicates like a style of play, a throwback style, even if you will, uh, where they're actually not going to get up and down, where they're going to make you beat them in half court and and, and make them, you beat them in the in the weird margins, like not in the paint or from the three, uh, which is really all the Kings do, right? Uh, some they're, mm-hmm. they're dead last in mid-range points since the All-Star break on the road, 27th in paint points percentage, and like I said, DeMontis Monis has not been able to score on Valanchunas. That's a little preview for our player props video. So with that being said, let's uh, let's get on to that one. Yeah, let's wrap it up and talk about that. And yeah, I think you, you said it there at the end too. Some pretty big trend numbers there showing how, how good the Pels are at home this season. 25 and 13 versus 15 and 25 on the road, which another reason I think they really want to make sure they can try to get this seventh seed, right? And they're tied with the Lakers for the seventh seed. They're a half game back of the Dubs for the, the uh, sixth seed. A, a win will tie them with the Dubs record-wise. They still they don't own the tiebreaker there as Golden State does. Um, but, you know, they can probably jump the, uh, the Lakers and own that seventh seed outright, and then they get a chance to play the Lakers at home uh, in that 7-8 matchup. Or, you know, if they, have to, if they should lose that game either way, they need to avoid that nine seed where they would not be guaranteed, you know, two home games they might have to win a game on the road to get into the playoffs and 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 with the way that they play at home and they're definitely going to be gunning for for a win tonight and i think we can bank on that so you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top u.s sports books all in one place then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. 
Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Nate, let's go ahead and just jump right into your first NBA player prop for tonight. Yeah, I mean, the Wolves coming off a Sunday loss to Portland, which is, you know, really got to hurt in this tight, tight playoff race. But Anthony Edwards looked like he was back. I mean, he's been back for five games now from the ankle injury and been wildly inconsistent. Uh, But he had 37 points on a 43% usage rate. Granted, against Portland, as I said, no D, also no no NBA players in the lineup right now. Last time out against Brooklyn, though, a team that it has struggled against shooting guards all year, 32 points on a 30% usage rate. His five career games against Brooklyn, 25 points per game, 31% usage. So that's where the prop is, is 24 and a half points. It's good odds on the over at FanDuel. Um, also, even better odds for him to hit three threes because he's kind of struggled from deep. Like I mentioned, um, five since coming back, he averages out to 31% from deep and averages 22 points per game, but he's had these huge spike games. It's almost a situation where you, you're willing to take an alternate line and say like, whoa, I thought Ant would be 27 and a half points, uh, especially in this matchup, like right there with Mikel Bridges, who uh, you know gave, gave the, the Wolves the business in that game. And that's why Ant had to come right back and get 32. So, I mean... I, I think this prop is a little low. Brooklyn allows the second most points to shooting guards, and they're up to 31 points per game to shooting guards in their last seven. Um, so, obviously, I, I know you're a fan. You're nodding your head. So, I am. obviously, you're on board with Ant. Tonight. I am. I, I, I'm on board with Ant. And to be honest, man, I'm on board with getting ahead of fading Mikael Bridges as one of the best defensive players of the NBA. Here, me out. I know his nickname is Mikael the Destroyer. But remember when Kawhi Leonard was one of the best defensive players in the NBA? It's not that he's not anymore. It's that he doesn't have to be because he can just throw up 28 points a game. And it's funny what it'll do to your psyche on defense when you're like, oh, I'm not as concerned if you score here because I'll just go get it back if I have to. Um, and Mikael is turning into a three-level scorer. Uh, that we all need to start respecting a bit more than just the guy getting the stats for Brooklyn because who else is going to get the stats? Like, this is an NBA player getting NBA points, and and I'm using that as logic to say Ant's going to come right back at him. He's one of the most dependable egos in the NBA that you can rely upon to take shit seriously when he's getting in a a, a mano-a-mano sort of style matchup with a guy, and and Bridges has been playing shooting guard for this team, so he may be guarding him, he may not, depending on if they want to use their you know pre-Kawhi guy on, on the best player on the other team, or if they're 
they're already going to start not necessarily matching him up. But Brooklyn's very good at defense in other areas, and Ant's not the type of player that I think they're going to be quite as good against. So I'm with it, as you saw me nodding vigorously with you. Uh, I'm going to go under here on, Demo- on Domas. We kind of uh, talked about that. Demontis Sabonis in the uh, Sacramento Kings video talk- against this Pelicans team that they're playing on Tuesday night. And we talked about fading him a bit. Um, at 20 and a half points is his, uh, the under would be the best play there on DraftKings at minus 120. I also really like the the PRA, although he has gotten boards here and there against uh, this Pelly's team. It's and, and not nearly as, as close to this point total as of late against the Pelicans. But um, either way, you know, the, the, the points, rebounds, and assists under, if he gets under 40 there, that's minus 110. And so it's a little bit better juice there than you're going to find for just the points. He's failed to hit all of the, the either of those uh, in his last four versus uh, New Orleans here. And three of those were with Sack, one with the Pacers, 15 points a game, 12 boards, and then seven assists, um, but a minus 52 in that time because he's playing against his big bro, as you mentioned, the, his fellow Lithuanian, Joe Val, Jonas Valanciunas, averaging 13 points against him in his career, uh, t- under 10 boards and four assists in about 27 minutes. And, and part of that, I would imagine, is because he's getting big boy down low uh, and getting a bit, a bit of foul trouble as well against Joe Val. So look, we, we also just mentioned this New Orleans defense. It's, it's good all over the place. Let's be very clear. But like it's pretty much clamps down low, um, especially, you know, it's the number one D overall. Six fewest rebounds to centers, 10 fewest points, eighth fewest points in the paint, but uh, actually number one in their last eight games in terms of limiting points in the paint. And then number one in ter- uh, number two in both limiting second chance points. You can't get fast break points against them. You can't really get rebounds against them right now either. They have the number one defensive rebound percentage in their last eight. So this Pelly's team is just, uh, we, we keep, you know, quelling over them to use a Yiddish word because they're just looking awesome on defense and it's, it's fun to watch them put the clamps on teams. Yeah, I mean, like like we said, Joe Val didn't even play in one of these last three matchups for him against the Pels, and he still struggled because they have other bigs. They have Jackson Hayes, Willie Hernan Gomez, Larry Nance, guys who can who can just get into him. And also, like, yeah, you you're wondering about the motivation for the Kings. Like, there's nothing much to be gained. Like we said with the Sixers in the third spot. I mean, in, in terms of trying to go out and win this game, other than like play the right way. Uh, you know, try to finish the season with some momentum, but I, I would rather take the under on that than than assume that you know Demontis is going to force anything. That's not his game anyway. Yeah. Uh, so twenty and a half points is is a lot against the number one scoring D right now since the break. And a similar feeling here. Uh, I mean, against the Bucks defense, Denny Avdija to get uh, fifteen and a half points or twenty three and a half points of rebounds. I'm going under on both of that here. I mean, in his last seven, he started to get a ton of minutes and usage because Chris Stops and Brad Beal are out and Kuzma's been out, um, but he's a minus 25, uh, so that's not, not a deal. But 15 points per game, eight rebounds per game, so he's right at this average. But you look at what happens when he f- faces a packet-in defense, or two of them in a row, Orlando and the Knicks, down to seven and a half points and four and a half boards, shooting 23%. And has a 62 offensive rating, same amount of turnovers as assists. Uh, I mean, he's he's not a shooter. Like, I don't know what, you know, he necessarily does really well, except, you know, gets in the paint. He's a kind of a connective playmaker. He's basically what I'm saying is he's playing ahead of his skis here. Uh, you know, he's not he's supposed to be like a number one or one A option right now for the rest everybody wizards. Mm. Uh, and he had a nice 17.6 rebound line. In 31 minutes off the bench against the Bucks in March, when Chris Dobbs and Beal were still playing, 
So now you're going to ask him to go in there and what go toe to toe with Giannis like from the start and and see how that goes. Uh, in a career against the Bucks, he averages 10 points. He has a 106 offense rating, poor shooting splits, because he's a classic guy that the Bucks defense likes to identify and be like, we'd like him to shoot from the perimeter. We're not going to let him inside or or go ahead and try Brooke Lopez if you want. But like, if you can't hit a jump shot reliably, like, sorry, son, you're not scoring in this one. That's fair. Uh, I'm using the exact same logic here to pick Giannis to go over, by the way. Um, and I think there's a, there's a heavy correlation in that sort of power forward position that Avdi is supposed to be playing as more of a, like you said, slash and 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 glue guy in that sense, much more so than a primary scorer. So the the points for sure, I think you, you can you can go under on and feel pretty good about the points and rebounds as well as mostly because it's the Bucks, um, and that's why I'm going to go ahead and talk about Giannis for a minute and, and Chris Middleton is out in this game. Um, to be clear, also, we've shot a video in the last week, and then a guy was ruled out as we were talking, and then another guy was ruled, and then he was ruled in when we weren't talking. It happened the other day uh, with SGA, who was just ruled in all of a sudden, even though all the injury reports said he was out. So my main point is Middleton is out, and that's a big part of this bet of why I like Giannis, not just the 30 and a half points, or even if, if Middleton's out, the 48 and a half PRA. Now, if Middleton plays, I like, and, and I, he's out, but he could play. If he does play, I still like the points no matter what, the 30 and a half points. If he doesn't play, um, but it, I'm sorry, if he does play, though, I don't really like the 48 and a half PRA uh, in terms of points, rebounds, and assists combined because he doesn't get the assists when Middleton plays. And that's a big part of why I also want to throw out a triple-double at plus 750 for Giannis against this uh, Washington Wizards team that he loves playing dimes up against and because without Chris Middleton he gets a lot of dimes uh he's expected to do a bunch more he knows Drew is really his his main other scorer and it's it, he needs to do a bit more than uh, and be a bit more of a ball handler with rather than just someone who's off ball uh, and getting put into good positions to score with his skill set so I mean his last three without Middleton he's put up 33 points 11 boards and 10 assists and that's all in 31 minutes um so obviously those per 36 numbers are even better his last seven with Middleton he's looking at just five assists per game so he's obviously, like I said, becoming much more of a playmaker. He's got three triple doubles in the last four uh, over that games that he's played without Chris Middleton. Um, so the plus 750 in a, in a spot where he's done this, gotten that triple double, like I said, 75% of the time in the last four games, it seems like it's much more worth it. Like also just this Washington team awful against power forwards all over the place all season, even worse in the last seven. And that's why Giannis has averaged 35 a game, 13 boards and nine assists in his last four versus this team, including that 50. 55 point outburst by the way earlier this season yeah i mean it dovetails right into what i'm talking about with with denny abdia is that i don't don't think the wizards have the personnel they have guys playing out of position ahead ahead of schedule whatever you want to call it uh the question is yeah will it be a blowout but you know it hasn't really mattered for Giannis. like if he gets 31 minutes he's scoring 31 points like even in that Celtics beat down. He had 24 points in 25 minutes. He was basically the only guy on the Bucks like trying or being aggressive after it yeah. got out of hand. Uh, he has no off switch. He will go after points, rebounds, and assists. And and, and the Bucks need to win a couple more games to, yeah. to hold off those Celtics, who by the way fell into a trap against these Wizards before playing the Bucks. So I, I think Giannis will set the tone. And even if he gets pulled in the third quarter. He's probably going to put up his stats before them. Yeah. Yeah, this is probably the easy. No, this is the easiest game they have left. Uh, they, they can't lose this game if they want to win three or four to guarantee themselves the one seed. They can win two or four. 
potentially still get it, but they, they win three or four and they guarantee themselves that one seed. I think they do care about it, despite how much it didn't seem like they care about it uh, when they were unable to score 100 points against the Celtics. But this Washington Wizards team ain't the Celtics. So uh, feeling pretty good about Yanni in this one. And that is all the time we have for you in this one. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Also got a couple game videos up for you on this Tuesday night slate. So check those out as well. And until we see you next, happy betting. Oh,